Today's episode is brought to you by Five Line Designs. Bring your brand to light with Five Line at fivelinedesigns.com. Here at Five Line, we like to ask, what can we do for you? We're here to help you and your business grow from all angles. Whether it's building the voice of your brand, redesigning your assets, or building out a website, Five Line is here to help you step your game up and beat out the competition. No matter what stage you're in, whether you're just starting or you've been up and running for many years, make your next move your best move by working with Five Line. You won't regret it. Schedule a meeting to see what we can do for you today at FiveLineDesigns.com. Welcome to the Business Grind, where we give you an inside perspective on what it takes to start, build, and run a successful business. Here are your hosts, Danny Shaw and Sean Michael Wellington. All right. Hello to everyone in podcast land today. Thanks for joining us. Sean, how are you feeling? Feeling good and happy to talk about a new company this week and another breakdown. Okay. Yes. Let's get into this case study. So on today's episode, we're going to discuss uh, the creation and rise of MailChimp. We'll discover. We'll discover. <laughs> we'll cover topics such as their early beginnings, the continued growth, uh, marketing strategies, and takeaways that can be applied uh, to your business journey along the way as well. Right? Oh Absolutely. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited for this one. This is uh, I, I, I'm excited to discuss this because uh, there's a lot of uh, nuggets in in Mailchimp's journey and success along the way that I think would be valuable for a lot of our viewers today. Yeah, and before we jump in, question for you. I mean, I know the answer, but it's a question for our audience to, to learn. Are you a heavy MailChimp user? Oh, I am a heavy MailChimp user, for sure. Um, yeah, uh, I use it for myself. I use it for uh, other clients. I also recommend it uh, to a lot of my clients along the way when they're trying to figure out their marketing strategy and which platforms to go uh, to use. I, I usually lead them towards MailChimp. Me personally, I am not a big user of it, but I'm often, I feel like a receiver of it. I get plenty of um, inbox things uh-huh. that I see have been sent using MailChimp. Right. So, you know, I'm very aware of it in that regard. Well, I think, you know, I think before we even dive into it, I think we don't want to assume that everybody know who and what MailChimp is. Right? True. <laughs> so uh, maybe we start and start just to lay the, the groundwork and the foundation of what MailChimp is. So how would you describe MailChimp to someone who doesn't know who MailChimp, what MailChimp is or who, what they do? Um, I'm par- paraphrasing a little bit from their corporate page, but mm-hmm. they're basically email marketing uh, automation platform. They automate your email marketing for you. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, you're not typing individual emails to your potential clients and customers. Okay. No, I would, I would agree with you. I mean, I think at this point they've, they're might be slowly evolving into some sort of a CRM type solution for a lot of people as well. But yes, at the, at their core, they are a email marketing automation platform for sure. Before you, I mean, you asked me that out the gate. Well, actually, who do you use for your business if you're not using MailChimp? Um, you know what? My, my business right now doesn't necessarily need that uh, much email marketing for what we're doing. So yeah. that's why I don't use it. I'm not using it. Um, for that for that service we're right. not like hitting a high target of people so right. you are here spamming folks when your private email sean that's <laughs> <laughs> but right. you 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 set us up for a perfect um which is kind of kind of be my my question mm-hmm. slash uh topic is like what's the practical applications of having an email marketing service right like where, where does it come into play if like you said for people who've never used it before 
this company blew up mm-hmm. and it happened after the dot-com boom. So they weren't a product of necessarily the dot-com boom and, mm-hmm. and rising through that. They have a practical service that people actually need for their business. So, right. Right. Uh, well, I mean, there is a... I- there is a practical use, but there's also a legality use. Like I, I know, probably a lot of people may not realize it, but legally, you cannot. You sh- you're not supposed to be just emailing people all willy nilly uh, for marketing services and and things of that nature. Uh, you know, through your from your own email account. And even if you have a business account or a Mailchimp account or any of these other platforms account, there are laws where you are uh, obligated to opt in and have permission from these people to communicate uh and market it to them so and that really can't be done uh through your private email through your private email account so that is the the practical business use even if people aren't aware of it and then from optimization and just growing your business is just more efficient and optimal to have some sort of platform where you have all of your contacts and can send segmented communications for your various business services and offers and communication as well yeah, absolutely. It, it um, helps you speed up that process of reaching out to your clients and or any other correspondence that needs to be done on like a bigger scale, like a mass scale, not individual correspondence, right? Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So let's let's hop into the early beginnings of MailChimp then, right? So the early beginnings of the company, it was founded by Ben Chestnut, Mark Armstrong, and Dan Kurzuzzi. Uh, am I pronouncing that right? Did, did, I might be pronouncing it. Kazias, Kazias, Okay, Kizias. right. But those are the founders of Mailchimp. So the general story about the start of how the company uh, was created was that uh, they Ben and Mark, if I'm not mistaken, were web designers, right? Um, working for a, a bigger company and taking on bigger clients and, and corporate clients of that nature, and they got laid off, right? Uh, they got laid off from their from their job and they opened up their their smaller. Um, design marketing firm and things of that nature. Uh, but they didn't start off by saying, hey, let's start an email service. It was really, they were doing designs and uh, helping their clients with uh, a way to send emails. And Ch- uh, Chestnut, he essentially had old code that he had written for an earlier project. It was essentially a, a greeting card company that he had code for that he, it was fail, it was a failed company and used that code, you know, as the starting point to help their customers send out emails to their respective clients. And for a long time, that wasn't even their main service. That was really their side business and side project, right? So they were primarily web designers working with their clients and hey, this code and this service was an add-on. And then around 2007 is when they decided to shift from their web design operation and then focus all focus solely on MailChimp and email marketing service. The business didn't really, it wasn't like a overnight success boom situation. Oh no, not at all. Well, right. which is what I like. So which is what I personally uh, admire and respect so much about their story, right? Because one, it wasn't the traditional uh, startup like, hey, we have this hot idea. We're going to get all this VC funding. We're going to do hyper growth, mm-hmm. third round of funding, series C funding, uh, and you know, try to outbeat the market and the competition. It was really... Uh, business, you know, these type of business stories, I really like just having an affinity for because it's a they, they've always been profitable, 
right? It started from a need from for their customers. It wasn't saying, hey, we're just going to try to figure something out and push it out there. It's like, all right, well, we have a web service business. And this is fine. Our customers is trying to ask us, uh, is there a way we can help them with their emails? We're providing value. We see that there's value here in this emailing uh, operation as well. Actually, it's becoming so valuable that we can shut down our web design operation and focus exclusively on that. And along the way, continuously growing and scaling the business accordingly without having to take any additional investor money and so forth. Right. And right. It's a great story. It's a great way to grow. Like, I mean, if you don't have to worry about anyone else infusing capital in your business, like mm -hmm. all off of profits, that's awesome. Right. And the business is actually to this day, it's still owned by the owners, right? They don't have like an investing group or they haven't done an IPO and they're very profitable and will continue to remain profitable and, and big for quite a while. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk about, you know, just, I guess, as how, well, what were some of the elements that led to their continuous growth and sustainability by focusing just on email in 2007? One thing I think was very key is that at two, in 2007, you probably um, wouldn't have gauged that success would have happened by creating an email service business because uh there was just a lot of spam i mean there's a lot of spam now but i it was like one study uh around that time that found out that 95 percent of emails sent in 2007 were spam emails right wow. so what what compels you to say yeah we got these stats but uh we're still gonna go all in on the email marketing services right uh and then yeah. also i don't know if you remember i vividly remember around that time MailChimp wasn't even the leader in that in that category. I, I know uh, initially Constant Contact was the was the big boy in the uh, in the arena at that time. I don't know if you no, remember. I don't even necessarily remember. I don't remember that company. Oh um, wow! So they provided the same service. <laughs> Said I don't even know who you was. Uh, yes, no. Con Constant Contact. So I believe Constant Contact is still around. But I know early on in the you know from my own experiences web designing and doing this type of work, it was Constant Contact. I Constant Contact was the was the leader. Uh, they had an IPO in two thousand and seven that raised one hundred and seven million dollars as well, and they were the dominant player in the email category. Uh, so mm. yeah, so I was uh, I when when at least from my perspective, when Mailchimp did get into the arena, I did like them, but I definitely remember just feeling like Constant Contact was the leader. They were the dominant player, and they would continue to dominate. But as we can see with a lot of the businesses that we've covered in, in the case studies and going behind the scenes, everything that's on the, it doesn't always appear what it is on the surface, right? Because now yeah. we all know about MailChimp and like you just said, you've never even heard of Constant Contact. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So I'm, I'm going to give the floor to you for a minute because I feel like I've been dominating right now. So go for it. Well, damn, because I'm going to kick it right back to you, but yeah. I'm going to set it up first because uh, I want to talk, you, you kind of alluded to it, is how they were able to become profitable. And they had, they experimented with different pricing strategies mm -hmm. and like ways to, you know, ways to basically uh, monetize their service. Right. Um, so that's where I was going to kick it back to you. I don't know. What did you think of some of their early strategies? I know they had um, like three pennies for, for what is it, like uh, email credits and things like that. So they were very low, um, what's the word? Low, uh, I guess, low cost. Low yeah, cost. Low cost. Low cost. Uh, items, yeah. But so I didn't have a problem. I mean, I thought it was fine. Here's what I really took away from their pricing structure that really impressed me was that they didn't offer a freemium model. 
There was no Freeman monitor. You had to pay for cons uh from, excuse me. Oh no. You had to pay for MailChimp out the gate. There wasn't like when you hear about a lot of other tech startups and tech companies, you know, they try to lure you in with the uh use this for free or this freemium model and XYZ um and, and things of that nature, right? Um MailChimp was not giving free freemium models out the gate. They were charging. So Regardless of how they were doing it, through credits through, or, or services, they from gate said we're going to charge um, initially, which I thought was very smart and strategic that, you know, it's a different way. They weren't concerned on super hyper growth. They were concerned with specifically uh, helping small businesses compete with the bigger corporations out there. Speaking to that a little more, like um, doing the research, I saw at one point they had five month plans. So mm -hmm. it was to help them make their revenue more uh, predictable. Mm -hmm. which you know i thought was genius it's like you know you know how many you know your customer base you can predict your revenue up to five months ahead essentially. Right. right 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 um and so they knew to like they had customers that was already willing to pay and also the proximity to the customers right like they really serve uh 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 underserved market and ignored market which was the business small businesses small business owners right um they had that so not only were they providing a service to small business owners they also had metrics and information on these small business owners that in turn allowed them to grow their own business so it was like the the, the information kept feeding itself the more they were helping their customers the more they were able to help their own business as well and help grow it right and their user base Right. And as far as I know, at least in the public, I mean, granted, they are a private company, so we don't know what they're doing. But it seems as though from everything I've seen, they're not selling data for profit. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, that's just a good thing on the optics side of everything. People don't want their data being sold and manipulated and stuff like that. So they're really using the data to find qualified customers and improve their product, but not really selling it on the open market from anything that I've seen. No, so. agreed, agreed. Uh, in, in my research, there was a, a, a excerpt that I did read where uh, the one of the founders mentioned that uh, the way they allow their they allow their customers to advertise on Facebook and Mailchimp in a way that uh, allows Mailchimp to not be dependent on the Googles and the Facebooks for their success of their business. So I think that's that was very strategic and genius of them to have their business set up in that way. So as a customer, I can use Mailchimp to set up what I need to set up. I can use Mailchimp to set up uh, campaigns and Facebook as well. But as the owner of Mailchimp, my business is not dependent on Google, Facebook, and all all of those uh, connections, right? So that's that yeah. was very strategic. Yeah. Um, another thing that I thought was interesting um, about their their company is that the actual website, right? They mm. they're making money off of the hits they get, off mm. of the you know the traffic they get to the actual website mm. beyond the revenue stream of providing the service. So, mm -hmm. um, just thought that was cool too. That you know, just people knowing about you coming to the site and how heavily heavily trafficked it is. I think it was in the top thousand sites. Uh, at some point for most of his uh most of his tenure so it's like you guys are making money off of the traffic you're making money from the customers and you know you have the subscription model so it's just it's just very smart revenue plans mm -hmm. that pivot as they as they grow right so. right and I, I just you know like i said before i just really admire like they came into the game and let's just also step back and not just because of how their revenue model is when you think about how they set up their business in the face of how a lot of other tech startups uh, have come into the game, right? Let's also be clear, MailChimp has been around for about 17 years at this point, right? This isn't an overnight 
uh, you know, start a startup company that just got high valuation, and now we're hearing about them, uh, you know, all over the place. They've been around for 17 years, so their growth has been steadily inclining over the years, right? And and in the world where you know you have companies, I mean, how many of these companies can we talk about in the tech space that have uh, rose to prominence so fast and then fallen from grace, right? Like a, a living yeah. so a living social or you know, I mean, even group. I mean, Groupon is still around, but you know, um, uh, it's not what it was. It's not what it was, right? Well, in this case, Mailchimp has just been a steady incline uh, uh, amongst amongst an arena full of other people that are not doing it the way they did it, and still be able to remain profitable and independent, right? With the, with their own technology and and data along the way. So I think that's you know really commendable and really speaks to how. Uh, slow and steady can win the race. One of the turning points that I I felt just because I'm from I'm I'm a little bit more familiar with the company was uh how they started approaching their advertising and their advertising strategy th- towards people knowing uh about the brand. Right? Are you getting at the uh, whole cereal podcast, or am I jumping ahead? Are no, we no, we yet? can get to the cereal. There was a few other areas that where they were doing, but cereal was a pivotal moment. So we could talk about cereal. Yes. I mean, essentially, it came from a mispronunciation, right? That's what really allowed them to pivot. Um, on cereal, well, let me start from the beginning, right? For mm-hmm. those who not know, I, um, cereal was a popular, um, I guess you'd call it a weekly podcast. It was mm-hmm. um, like a docu-series situation where they broke down a, a cold case. Mm-hmm. But um, that MailChimp was the sponsor, the main sponsor of it. So as the popularity of that podcast grew, of course, there was a lot of interest in the uh, company itself. And people searching, uh, for those who didn't know what it was about, they would search online to see what it was. But one of the promo spots, I believe, uh, it was the promo spot from the from the talent on um, Serial. Mm-hmm. They mispronounced the the name of the company, didn't they? Um, yeah, yeah, I'll let yeah. you jump in if you know more details than that because I wasn't really a Serial okay. listener, but yeah, I do yeah, know the story. For sure. So. so I was a big Serial listener. That first season, oh, I was hooked. So that first season, okay. they were talking about... Uh, Aslan, I believe, uh, Aslan, I believe his name was. Uh, and so they was trying to get to, it was about, I mean, that, that podcast just caught everybody by storm. So everybody was hooked to try yeah. to see if he was truly innocent or, or guilty or what was the details of that case. So they were sponsored by MailChimp and MailChimp just had this kooky, crazy campaign where they didn't even mention MailChimp in the ads, right? They mentioned all these other words that uh, sounded like MailChimp and created legit products and brands around it like fail chimp they they created some called fail chips which was like a potato chip brand that was of crumbled pieces of potato chips right so they had all these other different words that sounded like mailchimp uh and they never mentioned it in the ads but it just led to okay we we started becoming aware of it it was in our conscience about who this company was for me i was already aware and, and that was like oh I'm, I'm actually not mad this is very strategic right uh and clever it was actually clever like the visuals there's a whole case study on the visuals and they did commercials they did movies they did like little short movies and videos like they really went all out with that whole campaign but if you were not uh aware of who mailchimp was at the time then you probably like that definitely was gonna bring uh, uh bring attention to them by advertising on that podcast and I think also it was at a time when, I mean, it may feel like everybody's doing a podcast now, <laughs> us included, but podcast at that time still wasn't 
that big just yet. So uh, no, that was probably the biggest one. You know, that's the one that opened the floodgates. I feel like right, um, right. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. And if I'm not mis- yeah, so that just kind of led to the resur- uh, surgeon as well. Also, I just, you know, uh, keep to keep bringing it back to the small business owners and serving that community at first. I just really thought that was very strategic. So if I'm not mistaken, one of the founders, uh, or maybe both of the founders, uh, come from families where their parents own their own business, right? And, uh, their mother uh, owned a hair salon and so forth. So definitely had uh, a connection to the small business owners and knew that uh, their needs and how they could uh, be truly valuable to their company's growth and future. Where uh, I think a lot of times, especially in the tech space, there is a uh, you know there seems to be a common behavior to ignore those types. It's either usually consumers or big big businesses, right? Is you don't really see a lot of companies trying to tackle that small to a mid-sized company and if at least not that i'm aware of right and that was their sweet spot which i think you know it kind of relates to how i like to work as well myself right so uh i definitely thought that was very strategic and smart of them to focus on that and continue to focus on that even when they have had opportunities to uh sell out to larger investors or to um or or to focus on enterprise uh licenses and so forth yeah, definitely. And I think, I mean, it just comes from the uh, value of the company and not value in terms of valuation, but mm-hmm. the values of the company there. They always seem to be um, interested in serving smaller to medium businesses and mm-hmm. helping, you know, the little guy compete with the big guy. So to that point, it seems like it's consistent with what they've always been about. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, also, you know, when you think about the location of the company, right? Um the company was founded, started and founded in Atlanta, Georgia, which is not what you would consider a tech hub or a tech bubble as well. Right. right? Not Silicon Valley at all, no. <laughs> ATL, shouty. <laughs> so uh, that, that you know, like they, they did things, a lot of things they just did their own way. Uh, and, you know, of course, we'll, we'll celebrate a company when they do it their own way and are very successful. But... Uh, and that's why we're talking about MailChimp right now. But if they weren't, we would say they should have been in Silicon Valley or something like that. But because they have proven to be successful in this environment that didn't lend itself to being a tech hub and, you know, all the all the trappings that come with it, it gets it, we're also celebrating a, a little bit more for that as well. Right. Yeah, I mean, they don't have that Silicon Valley stigma with their company. You know, when when we talk about business and we talk about how. You know, uh, people who are looking for hyper growth and just acceleration and just becoming an overnight sensation. I think this is just a good example of how, you know, if you stick to your plan and not really not saying you can't worry about what everybody else is doing, but stick to what you know and, and stick to your your path and your purpose. You know, your journey, your business journey will sustain if you're finding what is valuable to your customers and working through that as opposed to trying to. Uh, force the new thing and the new hot wave and the wave of the future, you know, for your uh, clientele. Yeah. What does sustainable growth look like for you as a company? And, and it, it sounds, it sounds maybe contradictory to some business principles, but it's like stay in your lane. Don't over, don't overreach <laughs> because how are you going to, you know, cause you have to maintain that. So. Right. So, I mean, sometimes, Sometimes it comes to stay in your lane. Sometimes it's like, all right, let me uh, let me get a little out the gate, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
What do you, what do you think about uh like that whole branding and even just you know using the mascot um his name Frederick Frederick the, he has a long name actually it's not just Frederick it's Fred von something <laughs> it's a very multi-syllable name um I mean it's cool you know I'm a little I side eye monkeys and branding sometimes in general oh. but you know it's cool it, it's, I'm not mad at it. <laughs> Um, it definitely, it definitely catches the eye. And it gets you, you know what I mean. I I, I'm <laughs> but, picking up, I'm picking up what you putting down, Sean. All right, fair yeah, enough. Fair nah, enough. but it's cool though. No, um, nothing egregious there with, yeah. this, with this particular. Uh, brand. You know, uh, it's funny you mention that because I didn't even pick up on that. So the fact that I didn't, and considering how I, I, I can usually pick up on that, I, I think that might be a sign that they did a good job because yeah, they, yeah, yeah, that's true. They didn't. Do nothing crazy or egregious, especially seventeen years in the game, right? Right, it right. could have been crazy, right? Seventeen <laughs> years ago, who knows? Yeah. So, bringing back to when they first started, and I was aware of them, and I was also aware of Constant Contact. For me, I definitely was like, oh, okay, well, Constant Contact gave me more professional vibes, right? Just the name, mm-hmm. of the name of the company, the whole design, all of that stuff. It gave me that type of vibe. And so when Melchant came along, I definitely was like, oh, they're a little bit more playful. You know, they have this monkey and then they have, you know, these animations. And I do remember thinking, you know, this is fine, but uh, is this the most professional, right? Um, is mm-hmm. this going to really, uh, you know, if you're, if you're a certain type of company and you see that Mailchimp uh, logo on the bottom of the newsletter you're sending and things like that, is this really going to uh, uh, convey the image of your company that you want now granted there is a, a option where you can pay for a version where it doesn't but early on it was just it was a little interesting i wasn't something i was used to or even thought you know was the right move for the company right uh, as an early user but it definitely worked and it's held up over time they've updated the branding they've updated the logo they've even updated the mascot and added more animations and features to add you know just give it more character over the years with the branding and that that truly works for them and how they're moving yeah it, that's the thing it works for them and it mm-hmm. works for their offering right for sure. oh i'm just gonna circle back so some of the brands that when they did that whole mailchimp campaign but they didn't mention mailchimp uh mm-hmm. it was mail shrimp fail chip <laughs> fail mail shrimp fail chips Male crimp. It was like uh, cr- uh, men with who had crimps in their hair, like the hairstyle uh, for crimps. Uh, Veil him. That was like a, a musical production. Uh, kale limp, which was like kale, and they you know did something weird with that. Uh, nail champ, which was a whole was just a, a campaign featured around nail art, right? Uh, well synth, which was like a beat machine or web based beat machine. Uh, gel blimp and snail print so they had all these words that definitely was not mailchimp but you know the uh repetitiveness of it and the whole branding around it definitely was like all right at a certain point it sounds so close you're going to just really absorb what it's really about and who the main company is right yeah okay so yeah. it's just a little bit of play on word or not yeah, a little bit a lot yeah. of play on words a lot of play on words and they each each of these words had a full-on Full on ad campaign and integration and execution for each one of these different uh pro- products and and associated programs with their campaign. So yeah, okay, that's yeah. smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, so that so then which after a while though, what I thought was interesting is that after being successful for so long, like they one thing 
they do tweak their models. So like I mentioned before, they didn't come out the gate with a freemium model, but at a certain point they did offer a freemium model. They started tweaking their pricing structure and essentially, I guess we can say they started cannibalizing their core business or the pricing of their core business and their revenue opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which was a very, uh, I guess you wouldn't call it a risky move, um, but it proved to be very successful in the long run as well, yeah? Well, elaborate. What made it successful? Because when you say cannibalizing their audience, because, I mean, okay. you're really, yeah, like you said, you're cutting into your own profits. You're cutting into your own profits initially, right? It's like mm-hmm. you're cutting into your own profits because now if I'm charging, I believe it was around $15 a month for XYZ and there was no freemium option, now we're given a freemium option. So we're given a freemium option. So people who might be paying us might actually fall into that freemium model now and not need us for that $15 mm-hmm. a month service. And now we are also lowering our core uh, cost, um, which on on a surface level, lowering costs will equal less revenue, right? But right. And now you're offering a freemium model, which is going to allow more people to come in for free uh, and possibly not pay for that service. Like they're gonna, people will try to maintain and, and stay within that freemium model. So use those resources without paying, but uh, that didn't prove to be the case. They continue to grow and attract more customers under the freemium model and also continue to get continuous paying customers because of the value and the service that they still was offering to their consumers. Uh, so that's what I mean where it's a, initially you might think, oh my God, why are we cutting our prices and offering a freemium model? To what extent? It's going to cannibalize our structure. We're doing so good right now. But, you know, the long-term vision and thinking was that it will pay off in the long run, which it is, which it has been doing. Right, yeah. They've expanded their user base. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and taking on more businesses. And, I, I, you know, a lot of times those people, a lot of businesses come in thinking, oh, yeah, I'm just going to use that free model and call it a day. And then before you know it, they are... <laughs> they're up in they're up in their uh their subscription service and paying right. Would you have made that move for your business? So I want to pretend like I would have the foresight and <laughs> say yes, um, but I I do know it's hard to look at uh paying customers mm-hmm. so to speak and give them an option <laughs> give them out. You know it's hard as a business owner to do that, but I want to say yes, that I would have the foresight to understand that it's a part of the bigger growth strategy. So what about you? Uh, I would, I would probably, I mean, I would not probably, I would definitely have to do a lot of uh, analytics and, and and work on a few models. I would have to work on a few models, a few uh, price model and situations to see, okay, you know, I'm not opposed to it, but it couldn't just be because, I have a gut feeling for, for a move like that. I'm like, I'm have all these customers, X, Y, and Z. If I'm going to drop this, what it's going to mean. And also look at the other efforts that I would have to put to maybe make up for those costs or see how long, uh, how long would it take me to, you know, make up that revenue and things of that nature. But I, I'm, I'm never opposed for a nice strategic decision if I have the data to back it up and confirm it. You know, and I'm sure they did. They they don't seem like the kind of guys who would like you know r- rush into a decision like that. Right. So right. I'm sure they have plenty of data to back it up. Oh, for sure. They have. You know, I know a lot of times we talk about data, and and we you know we usually go to Google and Facebook and those companies say, oh, they have all the data. But Mailchimp has a bunch of data on so many businesses and small businesses who use a service that we have no idea what their insights are. They do. 
right? Uh, and it, like we said earlier, they're not dependent on Google or Facebook for any of that type of uh, partnership and so forth. So the, the strategics, who knows what insight they have that's allowing them to make the strategic moves that they have made and continue to be successful with. I feel like every mailing list from the solo entrepreneur to uh, big corporations and companies, I know when it's a, a MailChimp email, even if it's not, if it doesn't have like the uh, MailChimp branding on it and so forth. You can kind of tell just can, by the format. Huh? Yeah, you can kind of tell by the format, uh, some of the type usage, uh, and just the way some of the the legal some of the legal items that's listed at the bottom of uh, the newsletter is presented and formatted. Probably because I'm in MailChimp so much on my own, uh, I'm like, oh, that's a MailChimp newsletter, <laughs> and so forth. <laughs> right. So one uh, one quick thing um, before we wrapped up, did uh, it's like a trivia. I know you know, but. It was interesting. I didn't know this beforehand that you know Mailchimp isn't is the DBA. It's the doing business as, but it's not the real name of the company. Did you know that before? You know, I know they changed the name a few times. So I didn't. At, at a certain point, I was like, you know, I don't know what the full full name is. What what is it? Hit me with that. Rocket Science Group LLC. Oh that's yes, the that's the right. actual company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. That was. I think that was like one of the original names of one of the greeting cards. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You got that. You got that. Thank you. Yeah, for I just thought that was interesting. I never, I never knew that. I just assumed they were Mailchimp. You know, was the name and the, um, the right. DBA. But, right. Yeah. And another thing that I, I thought was very interesting when when studying this company, you know, we've talked about the longevity, uh, how they were just, you know, their success is really attributed to a few things: their foundation and core being set on a good solid ground. Uh, also, because they were, uh, you know pretty much always profitable, right? And didn't take on an outside investors, which, you know, I am kind of of that mind. I'm, you know, I think we've mentioned that on a few episodes. I'm, I'm really like anti-debt unless you really have to take on debt, right? So any type of investments, anything of that nature, if you really don't need it, uh, don't take it. Focus on making uh, your business profitable and then seeing where it goes from there. Because um, the minute you take on debt, and take on investors. Now uh, you, you're trying to focus on your own business, obviously, and make that grow. But then now you have to be mindful and considerate of these investors and, and their concerns and needs and and uh, where they would like the company to go. You know, and all of those factors come into play, right? Right. Uh, which which puts you in a crazy situation. But at the same time, I can say that now. But it's also very hard when you're in a position and you're trying to run a business and. You know, investors come with a nice check waiting for you, right? Yeah, I mean, it's hard <laughs> to turn that down. Yeah, but yeah. if you have that, uh, your eye on what the end goal is or what the growth strategy is, no, um, right. right? You know, if it doesn't get you there, then you can turn it down, right? Well, what I did, what I did think was a uh, very interesting about uh, some of the information that they did reveal about uh, some of their clients and and so and uh, subscribers was that you know it, it made sense because. Not only did they say, okay, we're not going to really focus on web design and really focus on this email. There are a lot of businesses now that they have uh, under their uh, suite and, and subscriber base who have MailChimp accounts and don't have websites. And I thought that was very, how does that work? I thought that was very <laughs> interesting. You can have a you can have a newsletter subscriber list, and I mean, I don't know what necessarily what businesses a person may have, you know, that lends itself to that, but. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of people now, you know, they're running their business. They have a subscriber list. I don't know. Maybe they have, you know, 
payments is set up through you know mailchimp offers payments now as well but like they don't have a full-fledged functioning website like we are used to thinking uh or uh, considered as essential nowadays right now it's like here's a link to my mailing list sign up i'll email you later here's a quick landing page or here here's a paypal link or things of that nature so i thought that was very interesting okay yeah i guess that makes sense yeah because you're bypassing yeah the land the the yeah the click to do this is right. directly through the mailchimp platform yeah mm -hmm. i thought that was very interesting all right yeah so you know that's that's about it for this week's episode about mailchimp you know i when i initially uh was talking to sean about this i you know i i am a long time user of this but not only my user of the platform i just thought their story as a whole was a very good and inspirational story especially in the world of of tech startups and how everything is considered to move at like a hyper fast pace but to see a company that has been in the game and steadily growing and climbing after 17 years i thought was very inspirational and something that a lot of business people uh who are starting a business not just tech related any business to be quite honest uh could take uh from from knowing the story of mailchimp and how they've been able to maintain relevancy in this game in 2021 yeah definitely it's a it's a it's a lot of uh interesting strategies that they mm -hmm. used along the way mm -hmm. um and uh, unconventional a little bit too oh, yeah. just based on what everyone else was doing right you know i would definitely say this is definitely a story of 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 reinforcing sometimes when you have to go against the grain but knowing and providing that value to your customers and not necessarily being influenced by uh outside people telling you what to do and and how you should run your business in some cases it may be warranted right but um in this case they knew what they was working with and they've even alluded to many times that uh they've had uh, uh other offers on the table uh to be brought out or to scale or to focus on more enterprise focused customers but they've stayed true to their roots and what they're about right yeah yeah yep and uh you know their communication like i said i'm very uh like how they communicate they branding over uh, overall i i will say i do think that their design background also gives them a leg up you know not to be uh biased to the design community but i am biased to the design community i do think uh knowing that the founders come from a design background also helped with the growth of the business as well right and like yeah i think so i think you kind of see that in their product offerings mm -hmm. too for sure for sure all right all right, so that's this week's episode. So, Sean, uh, I'm assuming when it's time for you to uh, to start using an email marketing service, and you know when you decide to stop spamming people from your personal account, that you <laughs> <laughs> that you will consider Mailchimp, you know, and and see if if they might be a good fit for your business needs. Yeah, I mean the service is definitely uh, top of the line, like top of that uh, market. Um, they're the go-to. I never even heard of the other one, which I like their name. Yeah, you, I'm you know, telling you, listen, really like their name. I'm telling you, Constant Contact. You couldn't tell me that Constant Contact wasn't going to be the dominant player in the, in this in this industry, which goes to tell you just it's never over until it's over, right? right? It's never over until it's over. So consider them and and look up Constant Contact too when you get a chance. See what they're about. Yeah, now yeah, now that you say they're still in business, they yeah. weren't um, wiped off the face they of the earth. So yeah, I may I may look into them too. All so. right, cool, cool. All righty, all right. So that's a wrap on this week's episode. Our case study in Mailchimp and key takeaways from their business journey that you can apply to your own path to starting and growing your own business. If you have a question you would like us to answer on the show, shoot us a message on any of our social media channels or shoot us an email at questions at businessgrindshow.com. 
Also, don't forget to subscribe and share on Spotify and iTunes. See you again soon. In the meantime, keep grinding. The Business Grind is for entertainment purposes. Opinions expressed are those solely of the host and guests. Please consult with a professional and exercise discretion before engaging in any business endeavors. I'm out here on the grind. I'm out here on the grind.